Welcome to Urban Principle, leadership lessons brought to you by BrettAndersonConsulting.com. And now here's your host, Brett Anderson. And welcome back to another podcast. It's episode 35, and I thought we'd talk about uh, student equity and some things that sent me that direction. And first, I'd we've been talking about team building, and I just read in an article... And Leader to Leader, a great publication uh, that I subscribed to, uh, they were doing some summary of of a book, and it was adapted from Whitney Johnson's book, Build an A-Team. And I thought I'd read that because it fits so much with what we were talking about last time with building teams. And it was her conclusion, and it says, of this article, and it says, Managing a team as a collection of individual S-curves implies a decentralization of power. People should be able to function independently enough that with minimal oversight, they can both make their own fortune and operate for the good of the whole. Think about your best boss. And jumping ahead a little bit, it says your best boss makes it possible for you to succeed. Confident that once you know the rules, you can self-manage. When you facilitate personal disruption, you build an A-team and become a boss people will want to work for and a boss people love. And like I said, that was adopted from Whitney Johnson's book, Build an Eighteen. And I think that was published in 2018, but kind of was where we were, uh, or what we were talking about last time. And this time, this is Labor Day weekend, actually. And uh, normally, I hope you're getting some rest and relaxation with family and friends and know the importance of being with family and friends. And um, not just during this pandemic, but anytime during your lifetime. And as you learn to balance uh, your leadership and your role or whatever role you are in at your occupation. And I used to always look forward to these weekends like this with the long weekend when you have a, a Memorial Day, Labor Day, all those kind of you know, long weekends that you got a break from work. And for us, it was a good time to go see uh, uh, my wife's grandmother. And we used to visit her in Wichita. And then um, for years, we also went to see my mom in Arkansas, which was a great time going down uh, during Memorial Day, Labor Day, and those any of those extended weekends or any reason we had to get away and to see them and spend time with them. It was a great opportunity for us to rejuvenate and kind of um, replenish our batteries. It was kind of a nice break. So I really miss those times now that my mom's passed away, but that's uh, something hopefully you're enjoying the time with family and friends and over this long weekend we also had the opportunity to do a uh, walk and the walk that we participated in was uh it was for aqua africa and it was the just us walk and it was the just us walk 2020 and it's the first one they've ever done and they did it based on um a social justice game they kind of wrapped around the walk and it was a very clever idea, and they usually do a run, but this year with COVID, they decided they would do something different, and they did a Just Us walk, and they called it um, a way of uh, discussing social justice and kind of giving back to the community and giving people a chance to understand some of the things other people go through. And it was pretty clever the way it's done. Uh, Boy Ray Tut is the uh, CEO of Aqua Africa, and I met him uh, years ago when he came to speak at my school where I was uh, principal. I had him come speak about Aqua Africa and what Aqua Africa does. Uh, he's a pretty young guy and uh, 
he actually is Sudanese and is an American citizen, U.S. citizen, and uh, wanted to give back. So when he finished college, he actually goes back to Sudan and he created this organization, Aqua Africa, that actually uh, creates wells. So uh, it's a very cool organization, aqua-africa.org, if you want to look at more about it. But they actually um, build these wells in villages and places that need water. So one of the essential life components. And the nice thing about it is, too, they build in sustainability and actually uh, help the people come up with a, a democratic water uh, committee that kind of runs um, the sustainability of the well. So they don't just come in and build it and leave. They kind of help them build support so they can continue to have that as a successful piece of their uh, village or um, community. So it's it's a very neat concept and it provides water for people that would otherwise have to walk miles to get water and probably not the cleanest water. And actually when he came to our school, he showed us a bottle of the water that they would actually go get. And it was pretty dirty and the kids were pretty amazed that that was the water that they were actually using. So, I mean, for them to be able to tap the water table and build wells, it's it's a very cool concept. But they did this uh, Just Us Walk which was kind of a, a way of framing uh, a walk around social justice with all the things going on in our communities and protests and everything else like that. They wanted to uh, make it an event that people could understand what other people are going through. And the, the way they did it is they had different stations along the way in the walk and you kind of signed up as teams. And they had an education station and my wife and I actually uh, ran the education station so they'd come to our table and we had a table decorated with uh, education pictures and students of all um, backgrounds and cultures. And and they actually have a card that they go, they take on their walk and their their team is given this card and they're given a, uh, a student and they don't know much about this student. And they find out more about their student on the way on this walk. And when they come to the education table, they had their own dice and they would roll the dice and when they'd roll the dice, they would put that in their uh, multiplier. And they have a sheet that has these uh, six stations on it. And they would multiply that by their success probability, which are based on some of the different stats. And like education, they based on uh, OPS's four-year graduation rate. So they had to use the 0.77 as their multiplier times whatever they rolled on the dice. And then there were things along the way that helped their score go up or go down depending on uh, different variables that happen like that would happen throughout your life. So it's in, in, in your experience of going through school and so on. So there were different things along the way that could happen. Like if they rolled a one or a two at, at our station, they were given a little sticker that they didn't complete high school and they could only use a one or a two to multiply against that variable, which actually brought down their uh, success probability score. And at the end, these were all scored together and they um, kind of had winners for different areas. And they also showed um, here's where, here's who you had, who here's the student you had, and uh, explained who they were and a little more about them and stuff like that. But along the way, uh, you went to the justice system table and you could find out, I mean, the likelihood of avoiding incarceration or other things that could affect you, uh, employment. And at the employment table, you had the, the likelihood of avoiding unemployment and staying gainfully employed 
and there was a healthcare table. So at that table, they rolled again and they had the likelihood of having health insurance or health care, which is important to um, society and for people to stay healthy and so on. And I mean, we're seeing a lot of that with COVID right now and the people that have health care and those that don't and and need more assistance. And then there was one called home ownership, and that was a likelihood of owning a home. So um, there could be different variables that happen there. And then economic opportunity, which was the likelihood of uh, of living above the federal poverty rate, which they also had a multiplier on that. So it was a very cool concept, and they gave some um, they gave some good insight. Is as you were doing this as a team, because it it didn't take into account who they were personally, but the person that they had, it it affected for sure. So they got to kind of see how things can change and and the challenges that you might have in uh, finishing school and and developing a life and building a life. And and it was a pretty cool concept that also kind of gave you that insight into some of the equity of, you know, our community and helped to understand. De- definitely developed a lot more understanding. And that was one of the things that we're trying to do now, especially with all these um, discussions and things going on. And then I read another article... Uh, recently that uh, was in Phi Delta Kappen and uh, another educational organization um, I'm a part of and there was an article by somebody that uh, Daniel uh, Noah Moses and it was an article on oh well, here's the title of the article it was everywhere like Jerusalem the ground is burning on teaching in a time of conflict and he was basically talking about different um, cultures and people again and different beliefs and things like that but the thing I liked from his article since um, I'm kind of centering this on equity is uh, is this this uh, quote that he had and it said uh, it said our capacity to disagree productively learn and act rests on how we were educated how we educate ourselves and how we educate others this is at least as important as the next exam and that's exactly what they were trying to do in this walk too was the of social justice was trying to develop some of that understanding and educate and help um and even at the end he he recommended that we go out and tell people about the walk and tell them the experiences that we had because a lot of it is about educating others and developing uh constructive dialogue and then equity brought me to thinking about as as we were doing this I started thinking about equity within um, buildings and and uh, districts and and right now you know the largest school district in Nebraska, um, the Omaha Public Schools they are not in session they're doing a hundred percent remote right now, so their students are not in and every other district is in buildings, so every other district is doing uh, maybe a a different uh, kind of a schedule but most of them are in session. And uh, OPS is currently 100% remote. And the advantages that some of those other districts might have because of that and and some of the challenges that some of the kids, because uh, the largest district, of course, is the, most, is the highest poverty district, so those kids already have some disadvantages. Uh, the good thing is they already have um, technology uh, because they use some stimulus money to uh, purchase iPads for every every student in the district so you know about 53 54,000 students are getting iPads and 
and there was wireless included, a wireless plan included with that, so they didn't even have to have the wireless at their house. That was built into the cost, so that's put on the machines so they can do. It's still not the same as person-to-person, uh, -person, and they're still not getting the quality. I mean, the teachers are doing an amazing job, and the stuff I've seen the teachers doing, I mean, teachers are working hard. So when you say teachers um, are, have it easy right now, that's the total opposite. They are working extremely hard to push out those remote lessons. They're working extremely hard. Um, on the side, I work through uh, Iowa State University and do uh, supervise student teachers. And the ones I've seen in person and the ones I've seen doing remote work uh, and remote work in our largest district are working extremely hard. As I was saying, they are um, planning probably even more than you would normally plan for lessons and coming up with creative ways to engage the students and keep them um, into the lessons and making them a part of the lesson. And it is harder. It's definitely harder for sure. And I can't wait till they get back to person to person because I think they need in-person learning and it's so important for our kids. So when I'm thinking of equity, I think of things like that. And, and also as, um, as a principal in the past that had a, a high poverty, uh, 90% free and reduced lunch building, uh, they used they used to use and they don't use it anymore. But they used to use what was called an equity formula, and the equity formula actually ensured that you had resources because, depending on where you are, um, the demographics of a building, the community around a building, and everything that makes that building, uh, the diversity of that building, those are all important factors and variables that that could decide how much how many resources or how much resources are needed for those students to succeed and and the building I was at under that equity formula we had title one funds because we were over 90 percent free reduced lunch we had uh, we had a lot of grants going uh, we had tutoring going we had a lot of things to help us make or increase our achievement and uh, help the students succeed and there are even more district resources provided because of the factors that we had because under this equity formula they looked at some of the the factors that worked against uh, students succeeding in education and they try to offset that by providing resources and providing uh, more and it's true you're going to have more needs uh, the most the m most students i ever had in that building was 675 and under the equity formula the building it said because of the factors that we had in that area, that building was equal to a building of about 2,100 kids or 2,100 students. So, and then down the street, um, a principal colleague of mine, he had the largest building in Nebraska and it had um, over a thousand students at the time in an elementary school. I think he had 1,200 was his max that he ever had, but he even said that his building, a lot of times under the equity formula, his uh, and the contributing factors that were used as the variables in that formula, his building was equal to um, not much more than it actually was. I think it was like a 13, 14, 1500 students. So it wasn't as high as mine. So, so the ratio meant I had more needs compacted into that building of 675 students. And then we generally ran about 550, 560 students uh, in, in years following, but it was still equal to a building of 2000 just because of the so many needs that the students had. And that's where equity has to be in place. And it doesn't mean every building's gonna be treated exactly equally, but um, 
the people that make the decisions and are then are in positions to make decisions need to keep that in mind that different students and they have different barriers and different challenges and uh, different communities and different demographics have different needs and there are areas and different schools that are going to cost more to run and they are going to cost more um, based on the needs of the students and you if you're providing the correct resources and you can do that by monitoring your data too and seeing what's working and and not just throwing money but making sure that the data is showing that it's actually working i mean there is ways um, to make sure that uh, things are successful and those are things to kind of think about because it is so important to think about when i help a building right now or i look at a building or work with a building i think about what are your demographics uh, what is your population like what is your community like what are the things that make up that area and make up that school and then what are the needs that that school has and are those needs being met and if they're not are there resources that can be provided or is there access to resources is there a possibility of uh, grants is there a possibility of other avenues if the district isn't providing the resources to increase the equity needs of that building so i mean there's a lot of factors and a lot of things to think about but i think after having that walk this weekend uh, i just wanted people to start thinking a little more about equity and what that means in our community and what that means in our, uh, our, our, our society. And, and as I was stating, the, the people that are in positions to actually make decisions, decisions and to help um, school buildings and areas need to think about that as they keep in mind that other areas may need more recess, may need more resources. I'm getting stuck on my words there. Sorry about that may need more resources and um, may have just more needs in general. So, I mean, with different barriers and challenges um, to be successful, they just may have other needs. And we've got to make sure that we're providing for those needs, for sure. I'm going to end with a quote now. Great leaders are almost always great simplifiers who can cut through argument, debate, and doubt to offer a solution everybody can understand. And that was by Colin Powell. So keep promoting positive leadership. And remember, culture changes through successful leadership. Until next time, stay positive. You've been listening to Urban Principle. Leadership lessons brought to you by BredAndersonConsulting.com.